super rich, awesome. <laughs> yep, hey, I have to use a small pulpit because I've had the big one, I can't see over the top of it. I had the same problem this morning, apparently. That's there. Can everybody see that? Wait. Uh, did that work? Can you jump it down? It's going to be a little odd tonight because I'm used to having children misbehave the whole time. Honestly, yeah, I know you can. That's a problem. Is that why you're sitting in the front? <laughs> Don't let him throw anything. So, the, the bank <laughs> don't take Scott to Westpac Bank, please don't. So tonight I'm actually going to wire, do you want a quick story? We're sitting in Westpac Bank signing documents and um, so somebody's trying to find acoustic sounding stuff for here I'm guessing. So we're, 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 we're signing paperwork and all of a sudden Scott's disappeared behind the lady and he's at the wall going... Like this, making these noises. And um, she just turns around and goes, what are they doing? We're like, don't ask, don't ask. If you don't ask, you don't get the answer. It was, it was hilarious, pretty much. I'm quite surprised she didn't throw us out. <laughs> sure we did. We had some fun that day. But tonight I'm actually going to, to talk about, and you can probably see this one's already up, we're going to talk about fear. So... I need you guys to help a little bit here. So throughout the Bible, fear is used a number of times. Tell me about the different types of fear that is used throughout the Bible. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I was about to say that. Uh, like a fear of like a fear of reverence of God. Anything else? Any other fears? Snakes. So snakes, we're then talking about more of a phobia. So from snakes. So we've got phobia. Any other types of fear? Fear of man? Yep. You, mm-hmm. Your boys have got their hand up, Scott. I'm worried because I know what they're going to answer. They're going to answer the word God. What's, what's your answer, boys? Told you. That's a standard response on a Sunday morning. So up on the screen, I've got... 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, as you can see, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So to get a bit of a context to this verse, I'm actually going to jump back to the verses previous. Yay, working. And read this out for you. So it says here in verse 5 of 2 Timothy 1, I remember your genuine faith. So again, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. So here Paul is reminding Timothy to fan that flame, to fan that gift that God had placed in him. So there must have been a reason. So So Paul's written to Timothy a second time. 
And there's got to be a reason for this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump back into 1 Timothy and kind of look at, well, why is Paul here doing a reminder, doing a bit of a stir up to Timothy to say, hey, come on, come on, keep this going. I have a child sitting at my feet. So here in 1 Timothy 4, 14, it says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid hands on you. Give your complete attention to those matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. So here I think Tim, it, Paul is kind of initially saying to Timothy, hey, this, this is what you've got. This is the, the gifts that God's provided you. Let's go with this. So I'm going to quickly duck back. My, my little thing's playing up a bit here. but So I'm going to jump back to 2 Timothy 1.7 really quickly here. And again, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, power, love, and of self-discipline. You're going to give me a hard time down there, aren't you? Uh, so, just like Timothy, we have all been given gifts. We've all got dreams. We've all got something that God has placed on our hearts. However, like Timothy, for some reason, we may have neglected or we may have allowed that to stay dormant in our lives. And you know, we may become, have become disheartened by that. The other thing is, what has caused that? It may be, there's two things. One of two things that it may have caused that. One might be circumstances, so stuff that's happened that's come between us and that. Or the second one could be people. So circumstances or people. So keep that one in the back of your mind. We'll come back to that one. So up on the board here, I'm going to write the word fear. Uh, I want people to be able to read it. That's all right. If my spelling is shocking, I apologize in advance. I've only picked really small words because then I can actually spell them quicker. So up on the board, we've got fear. So we look at 2 Timothy 1.7. So God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, the interesting thing about this word fear in 2 Timothy is that this comes from the Greek word delilia. Sorry if anyone's a Greek scholar in the room who could probably pronounce it better than me. Delilia or a linked word there is um, dilios, which actually means coward or cowardice or timidity. So I then had a look at what the word timid means. And so it's somebody who is actually lacking in courage or lacking in confidence. Did you know that this word, fear, as in 2 Timothy, is the only time in the Bible that that version of fear is actually used? Only time. So as, the, as we started at the start, we, there are many other words for fear. We've got the phobias, we've got the fear of God, that reverential, as Matt said, the reverential fear, and a few other ones. Now, if we take then fear, and as I said in 2 Timothy 1.7, fear is timid. And the really interesting thing here with this word timid, if I actually add a little few words to this to make it a little bit easier for us to understand. We actually get the word intimidation. 
So God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of intimidation, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and of self-control. Now, I actually took that word intimidation, and actually, what does that mean? And a word that comes out from intimidation is disheartened. So what, you know, when we look back at the gift God has given us, that dream God has given us, what have we allowed, what, what have we become maybe disheartened at? You know, maybe we're along that path and we're not there yet. We thought we might be or we feel we should be. Have we allowed some sort of spirit of intimidation to come in between of that? And as I said just before, there could be two ways. Is it a circumstance that's happened or is it people that have come in between that? So, really quickly, I'm going to now step, kind of park Second Timothy, and I'm going to have a quick discussion with you just around actually our natural body's responses to fear. Now, whenever we see, hear, or smell something that creates fear in us, we have, there are four responses, but I'm only going to use three, um, because the, the fourth one, I actually didn't, I've never learned about the fourth one. Scott can probably tell it better than I do. But I'm going to use three. And those include this. Flight. Fight. Well, down the bottom we've got freeze. Good job. So when we look at those three responses, now the best way I can describe this is for me, if I go somewhere for the night, it's a new hotel, it's a new place, it's a new bed that I've never slept in before at a hotel. You're laying there at night and you hear a noise. What's the first thing you do? It ha <laughs> so you actually stop and you actually freeze because, hey, that noise is new, that's different, I don't know that. And you wait to see, does it happen again? Because it could just be a... a branch scratching on a window, or is it somebody actually trying to break into my room? Which one is it? Because it's a new place. Like, if it's at home, and you hear the scratching, oh, that's right, I checked that out last week, and it's just the branch scratching on the window. But you're in a new place, I don't know what it is. So, that's where we happen, we get, it's freeze response, we actually don't know. A really good one around flight is sometimes, like we're saying, that if you see a snake, if I see a snake slither across here, the one thing I'm doing is I'm running. I'm out of it. Catch it and eat it? No. I'm running in the opposite direction. I'm out of there. And the other one is fight. So you actually stand and take whatever's happening front on. You don't run. You don't stop. You just, you're ready to do something. So there are three responses when we look at the word fear. So what I'm now going to do is I'm going to unpack this and look at when we are faced with fear... What happens, again, when we're looking at back at looking at our, what we're called to do, our dream, the gifts God has given us, what happens if we choose to freeze, if we are faced with intimidation or fear? What happens if we choose to fight, a fl take flight, or what happens if we choose to actually fight? So I'm going to start with freeze, because it's down the bottom, and it's winter, and it's probably cold outside. So last Sunday night, Pastor Scott actually mentioned the parable of the talents, now, quick rundown, if you missed it, if you're not sure of the parable, very easy. Three peeps got given different amounts of money. 
Two of them chose to do something with that. One of them chose to sit on and do nothing. So if I put myself in the, the shoes of that third person, I've got my master, I've been given money, what am I going to do with that? So he was faced with a fear of intimidation and a fear because he thought, hey, if I lose this, I'm in trouble. So he chose to sit on it, he chose to freeze, do nothing about it, and we know from that story the consequences of what happened. You have two people that actually chose to take it on, invested the money, did something with it, and they were rewarded for what happened. However, our third person, they chose to, to do nothing. In, in 1 Peter, I'll get really good at, at doing this thing. Yep, 1 Peter 4.10. It says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. In another translation, it actually says to steward. So if I had a, a bit of money and I gave it to, to you, I would like you to steward that well. I don't really mind how you manage your own finances. You can go and spend it when you get it. However, if I give you money, I want you to do something well with it. I, I don't want you just to lose it. Again, with the, with the parable of the talents, I'm going to gather that master wanted them to do something with that money. They didn't, he didn't just want them to sit on it. Do something. So what are we doing with the gifts God has given us, that dream that he's placed inside of us? We have been entrusted, but also what causes that gift to become dormant? This is why Paul, I think, was writing to Timothy the second time, because again, the first time he said, hey, this is, this is the gift that you've been given, do something, you know, watch how you live. But in the second letter, it's a bit of a reminder, just, hey, come on, let's start moving. So this leads me on to our second one, which is going to be flight up the top here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the journey of Elijah here a little bit, and I'm going to pick it up in 1 Kings 19. However, I'm going to give you a little bit of a brief explanation of where we've gone before this. So prior to 1 Kings 19, Elijah has said to King Ahab, there's going to be no rain until I say so. So after a while, he's gathered the prophets of Baal together up on Mount Carmel. It's going to be a showdown. Prophets of Baal call down fire on the altar. You know, Elijah, let's call down fire from God. So the showdown happens. Baal prophets dance around, do what they need to do. Nothing happens. Elijah calls down fire from heaven. Altar, we know what happens. So from there, Elijah's gathered the prophets of Baal together. They've been killed. And he's then sent his servant the seven times to see when the rain's coming. Once the rain, they can see the rain on the seventh time, he tells Ahab, hey, get on your chariot, go home. And I think this is the really cool part. Elijah then gets special, it actually is special strength, and he outruns the chariot. I think that's, that's my favorite part of this one. It's kind of like the CGI in Lord of the Rings, where they run really weirdly. Yeah, I think that's what it might look like. So they're going to pick it up in 1 Kings. So it says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me down or even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed, pretty much killed Elijah. So this kind of paints a little picture. Elijah had, just had a really cool day. He has 
call down fire from heaven and burn up an altar. Straight up after Baal, you know, the prophets of Baal have done their thing. He's, he's run, outrun a chariot. He's got rid of a whole lot of prophets of Baal. And now this happens. He, he gets word that Jezebel's out to get him because, hey, hey, she was not happy because the prophets of Baal were kind of like her staff, her peeps, and he's just got rid of them. So we're guests to Elijah, and we'll, we can move on and see what then happens. So verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, the t- uh, town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, afraid that he might die. I've had enough. Yep. Uh, he sat under a solitary broom tree, prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, here. He said, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. So we know kind of how the story goes from here. Elijah's found his broom tree. He's a bit upset. Someone's going to kill him. Or he thinks that someone's going to kill him. And he goes to sleep. You know, how many times we're on that journey, we're walk, walking in the gifts that God's given us, we're walking towards our dream. This happens. The spirit of intimidation comes. Again, maybe from a situation or from somebody. Those two things. And we get to our broom tree. Now, I don't think many of us, if we get upset or something happens, we're going to go out and sit under a tree. But for us these days, do you know what it might look like? Put my phone somewhere. Probably one of my kids flogged it. It's Facebook. Monotonous scrolling. Instagram. I didn't have it written down, but MySpace. I'm going to show my age. But also, doing the channel surf thing. Who's ever sat in front of the TV? I'm a bit sad today. I'm upset. This has happened. I'm just going to flick through all whoever knows how many free-to-air channels, and just scroll over and over and over again. Or, yep, Dave, I saw you do that. Sit and play Call of Duty or whatever you guys play these days. But sometimes we get to that place, and this is where Elijah was. So we then know from this story that Angel of the Lord wakes him up, says, eat and drink. He goes back to sleep. Woken up a second time, eat and drink again, because your journey is going to be pretty big here. And then he goes on for a trip for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And then he comes to a cave. You know, so once he's at the cave, we then know from the story that there's the earthquake and all the winds and everything. And all of a sudden, there's this still small voice and Elijah wraps himself in the cloak, goes outside. And I think the most important thing in the story, says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm thinking, is he about to play a drum? You can, yep, go for gold, son. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You know, again, if we go right back to where it started, he, Elijah was in a position to continue the call to continue forward and continue to impact um, that that role against Ahab and and Jezebel. But in in opposite reality, he is now sitting in a cave and God is saying to him, hey, what are you doing here? 
So Elijah then replies and says that, you know, I have zealously been serving the Lord, people have broken in covenant, torn down your altars, and that everyone's killed, but I'm now the left. I'm the only one. And I think this is really important. And this is where, if we look at Elijah and he's taken flight, he's been faced with that intimidation, faced with that fear, he's taken flight. God now tells him, go back the way you came. So think about this. He's just traveled 40 days and 40 nights. God now tells him to go back. And he says, go back, anoint um, Haziel king over Aram, anoint Jehu, grandson of um, Nimshi, the king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shabbat, as from this town to replace you as my prophet. You know, in, in this situation, Elijah's got to that place where he thinks everything has gone downhill. He's, again, if we go back, he just had one of the greatest days taking out and, and impacting a kingdom from the prophets of Baal, calling down the fire on the altar. But now he's in a place where God said, hey, go back and I need you now to pass that mantle on, anoint the next person. You know, because, so if we look back at both situations from the parable of talents and then the story of Elisha, we can see that when we are faced with intimidation and fear and we choose to either freeze to do nothing about it or run away from the situation, things are going to happen. Well, we, we see with also Jonah, I think one of you guys said before, he ended up in a belly of a fish. You know, so I'm going to guess that these two are probably not the best options. So we're going to move on to fight. And I think this is really cool. Because, you know, I've written here and highlighted, with God, we need to fight. You know, I was going gonna, gonna to say this story about um, something really cool happened a couple of weeks ago. My, my granddad's really sick at the moment, been in hospital for like four weeks. And um, I haven't really heard my grandparents speak about God very much. It's been a very um, different... I've known they've gone to church. And I walked out of the hospital bed a couple last week with my nana and had my arm around her and I said, yeah, we've got this. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, we've got this. With God's help, we can do this. And it's the first, actually the first time I can actually recall her speaking that out. And, you know, because I can guarantee at this point she's, she's facing a little bit of fear in her life because of what might happen. But it, I think it's really cool, you know, just knowing that, hey, with God, we can do this. We've got this. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump back to really quickly to this one. Back to Second Timothy, Timothy 1.7. And what, I'm, what I've done here is that we're going to pick up the second half of this verse. So for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. So we're going to start with power. Now, the really cool thing here is that the word power in this verse is coming from the word dunamis, which is dynamite, and which means things like force, miraculous power, ability, abundance, empowering strength. Now, I, heard a, I read a story and heard a story about um, this guy who had a vision. And in this vision, he was at one side of the room, and not too far away, Jesus was sitting on a chair. And Jesus said to him, what, what I want you to do right now is listen because what I'm going to tell you is really, really important, and you need to listen. So as Jesus started to read from the Bible, all of a sudden, a black cloud of smoke came between, and, and a demon sat there. 
and started to dance around. And as soon as that happened, he couldn't hear anything Jesus was saying. So in this vision, he was standing there and saying, hey, come on, Jesus, you need to do something. You've told me that I need to listen and I need to know what's going on here. However, this has come between us and I can't hear anymore. And so after a while, uh, he, you know, in the inner vision, he kind of got a bit upset. And so he then chose after a while to, in Jesus' name, foul demons, be gone. And all, as soon as he did that, the black smoke fell, demon fell on the ground. A little while later, he also chose to tell the demon in Jesus' name to be gone. And as soon as he did that, it went. And what I think that's really important, and, and this is where I'm picking up the power here, is that we have been given the power. In verses like Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Mark 16, 15 to 18 also talks about we're given the, you know, the power to cast out demons. We have the power. And that's what Jesus then, in that vision, Jesus reflected back to the guy and said, hey, I, I knew what was going on, but you needed to learn that in these situations, you've got the power. You have been given the power to do this. Getting taps from children again. The next one I want to pick up on is love. So again, we've got power and now love. Love in this word is not, love in this verse, sorry, is not a, you know, a romantic love. This is the agape love. And something really, really interesting that I was reading is that agape love involves faithfulness, commitment, and an act of the will. So I've been sitting there thinking, how, can, how does this relate? Or how, how can I see it relating back to 2 Timothy and also the first uh, letter from, Timoth uh, from Paul to Timothy? And, and what I you know, came to, I'm going to read it from, from 1 Timothy. Again, do not neglect the spiritual gifts. And I think he, Paul uses some very specific, and I've even said here, strong directive language. In verse 15, he says, give your complete attention. He doesn't say, you know, for three days a week, I just want you to do this. The other couple, I want you to do something else. Really clearly says, give your complete attention. He also says, throw yourself. So again, it's a very strong directive um, statement to throw yourself into your tasks. And also keep close watch the way you live. And way, you know, because people will see that. So, again, if I look back at agape love, it involves faithfulness, commitment, and an act of the will. You know, from, from that verse in 1 Timothy 4, 4.14, I can just see that, you know, if we, we unravel all of that, God is asking us, in the gifts he gives us, the dreams he's laid on our lives, to be faithful, to be committed. You know, if we are called to do something, not about doing it, you know, if we feel like it, if, you know, this home and away is not um, fantastic tonight. We're being called, again, verse 15, give your complete attention. Throw yourself. It doesn't just say, I'll walk across. Throw yourself. And then I'm going to finish with the self-discipline part. Now, if we break down the self-discipline, here comes my pronunciation probably very poorly of Greek. Sophronimos, which is sound mind, and that means discipline, self-control, linked to another word, sophronizo, which also means sound mind, or something really interesting, is to teach, so to teach to the sober. 
I sat back and thought, oh, I'm going to stand on children. I'm going this side. You stay there. To teach to the sober. Now, if, if I'm trying to teach someone something and they're the opposite of sober, are they going to capture anything that I say to them? Good answer. And the other thing, if I reflect back on that vision that guy had around him standing, Jesus reading, demons come up in front with the blacks out. If he was not in a right mind, in a sound mind, again, opposite of, you know, so he's sober, do you think that he would be in a right mind, firstly, to actually know what was in front of him, but also, on second part, actually how to deal with it? Just something interesting that I was kind of thinking about, because when it says to teach, you know, to teach to the sober, it's really, it's just interesting play on words there. You know, throughout the Bible, there are many, many, many different, you know, parts where it talks about people who actually chose to stand up and fight. You know, we can look at well, ones like Esther. Esther faced a king. Esther, you know, I'm guaranteeing when Esther was up coming up against that king to have those conversations about saving the people, Ghana guessed that there was some fear. Ghana guessed that there was something. However, didn't choose to freeze and go, mm, I don't think this is good for me. Didn't try to run the other way. However, said, let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's actually break that power of intimidation. Again, Daniel, lion's den. I haven't faced a lion face to face. Gonna guess there's some fear sitting around there as well. Again, however, going back to what I said before, but with God, we can, we can push through this. You know, so God has given us these gifts. God has given us our dreams, the things that we're um, you're really supposed to be walking in. Verse 6 of 2 Timothy tells us what we need to do. And this is one of the verses we started with, was fan the flame. But I am not very good at making fires. Apparently I'm going to be told how to and shown at some point. But I do know that if when starting out a fire, you've got the kindling, you've got the little, it's the you know, sparks, it's little, little fire. And to make it bigger, you need to blow on it. You need to do something. If you light a little fire, but also light a little fire on the table, it would, mind you, the table would probably burn, but it would, it would probably go out. If I didn't do something else, if I didn't fan it, if I didn't blow on it, it would probably just fizzle out and go away. We need to fan the flames. We need to stir it up. We need to do something. Fanning is an action word. It's not a, if you feel like it, it's a, you, need, you, need, you need to do something. It's, it's, it's an action. So I'm just going to stick this up really quickly. Let's see this one here. So fear has two meanings. Forget everything can run. Face everything can rise. If you like that, just Google it from Google. Forget everything can run, face everything can rise. Now, I want to pick up on something that I was actually talking to the kids this morning about. I think it's really, really good to, to go through this as well really quickly, is that we're actually teaching the kids about the Great Commission. So last week we spoke about that they're called and they need to go into the world. 
and you know, talk to other people about God. Really plain and simple. Today was about the harvest and the harvest is ready and that you know, we just need to go and do it. And I think this is one of the places that this fear of intimidation does kick up because, hey, I don't know you very well. Like, I, I can be very intimidated very quickly around trying to tell her something about God. She is very intimidated. However, the one thing that I've been talking, I spoke to the kids um, this morning and last week about is that, you know, it's just about one, one person. You know, we, we talked about the school next door here and we've got a couple of kids that go here and, yes, thanks, Josiah. And the really cool thing about the school next door here is that they've got about 900 kids. And for one child, they decide just to do and speak to every one of those 900 students. He'd probably do it in a year or two. But if he just speaks to one, just to two, even just to three, and another child speaks to three, those three, and, what, and the kids this morning even told, but if we just tell three, they then can go and tell three other people. So these kids are already starting to understand the power of the multiplication. If I tell one person, they go and tell another person. Those two people can go and tell a person each. And we can start you know, that, small, uh, that snowball, <laughs> snowball effect. However, we need to make sure that we don't freeze. We don't get into a place where we go, ah, I'll let somebody else do it. Or, hey, I don't feel comfortable doing that, so I'm actually going to run the other way. Because as we can see from Elijah and from other people like Jonah, we can see what the consequences of that can be. So that's where I really want to you know, leave you tonight with, is with that challenge of, I know sometimes it feels hard and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But you know, I asked the kids this morning, what can you tell other people about Jesus? And you know, at their age, they can say, oh, God made the world, that he loves us. You know, so we can start simply, but the really cool thing is it's not also just what you say, it's what you do. And, and that's what that part of First uh, Timothy is saying, is that live a life. If other people see you, hey, something's different about you, and that's where it can start. So that's where I want to leave you tonight is with the challenge. One other person. One other person. You want to know something about what God's done for you? One thing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just pray for everyone here tonight, Lord, that we would just be able to get to a place where when we are faced with fear, when we are faced with intimidation, if that's from circumstances or people, that we would look it in the eye and continue on with you. Lord, you know, we all fuck up at times and we all, we all do stand there and don't know what to do, but Lord, with your help, with your support, Lord, I pray that we would just be able to impact our world, impact where we are for you, for the kingdom. 
tonight, if, if anybody, like, I'll get Lisa up and Mitch up in a second. If there is anybody who is feeling they're facing some sort of intimidation, some sort of fear, let's pray for that. Let's, let's break that. Let, let's help you move forward. Because it's, we can see from a people like Daniel, Esther, the things that can happen, the great things that can happen in God when we actually stand with God and, and kind of look the fear right in the face and just continue. So the front's open for anybody if you do need prayer. And we'll just finish with a song.